Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to today's show. It is Sunday, March 27th. That is Easter Sunday, so happy Easter to you, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Happy Easter, Liz. How about this? A special Easter podcast. <laughs> just you and me, huh? Yeah, just us. Everyone else had other plans, better plans, whatever. Just, you know, important things going on in their lives. And uh, But here we are, the two of us. It is fun on, on holidays to, uh, when you're looking at your Facebook page, and you see everybody's Easter photos, or there were also a lot of spring break photos from around the world uh, this week of people off having fun. So, um, so yeah, Leanne is on her way to D.C. We want to talk about that for a second. And then uh, Sheila and Monica, otherwise occupied. So it's you and me. But well, we Liz, just- speaking of uh, Facebook uh, page, uh, on our Facebook group, I'm thank you again for posting our family photo. It's like <laughs> Easter, who knows when. But it's us and our cousins, the Morning Stars. There we are on our Easter finest. And I think we've so- answered most of the questions about who's who uh-huh. in the picture. Uh-huh. But as to my facial expression, which which is a question that... Every year it comes up. Yes. Uh, I, I realize, I am sure my brother Dick said something mean and nasty to me moments before that photo was snapped. Hence my, my okay. totally disgusted look. Okay. okay. Because that is what our mother would have called a sourpuss. Right? Yes, it was, Liz. I had a sourpuss. <laughs> but, and, all- but, Dick, but Dick is standing directly behind you looking kind of all puffed up. So yes. you're, yeah. I, I suspect you're right, that he really got you just seconds before with something insulting. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I think it had to do with my complexion. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's what the general category of discussion that we were having when we were lined up for the photo shoot. If you haven't checked this out, it's on our Facebook page, uh, Satellite Sisters. Uh, anyway, we do, have, uh, we do have some upcoming events we wanted to remind people about at the very top of the show. First... This Tuesday, March 29th, Leon is in Washington, D.C. for the International Women of Courage Awards. She's talked about this on the last few shows. I just wanted to let people know, if you want to actually watch the ceremony or watch the forum they're having in the afternoon, you can do that at state.gov. This is a State Department event, and they are putting it live on their website. So the actual ceremony is at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 to 11.30. And then they're having a forum all afternoon from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. And Leanne was talking about this on the show the other day. She's very excited. The speakers include Vice President Joe Biden, but also many of the, the women of courage that are getting the awards. And an American woman I noticed who is on one of the panels is Admiral, Admiral Michelle Howard. She's the first woman to be promoted to four-star admiral, and she's the first African-American woman uh, to attain four-star rank at all anywhere in the whole Department of Defense, Julie. So... She certainly sounds like a woman of courage, wouldn't you say? I would say give her a medal immediately, Liz. (laughs) Yes. So this is all going to be live at state.gov, so you can check that out. Leanne will be tweeting, so if you follow at Sat Sisters or you follow at Leanne Dolan, uh, you can uh, you can see what's going on there. She has posted a lot of stuff already. These amazing profiles of the women from all over the world that the State Department brings in for this special award, and you know they really are tales of great courage, wouldn't you say, Julie? Yeah, I mean, it's we just these are freedoms that we take for granted here in the United States, and we have, and you and when you read these profiles and realize what a day to day struggle it is for these women to stand up, you know, against incredible odds and and speak out, uh, it, it really is uh, very inspiring. Yeah, so that is Tuesday, March 29th, this Tuesday. I saw Leanne just tweeted a couple of hours ago that she has landed. She is in D.C., <laughs> and D.C. is in full cherry blossom mode. So she's excited also because she has her son Colin with her. So Colin will be at all of these ceremonies at the State Department, which is pretty cool, I think, for a high school senior. And then they're doing some other touring around D.C. Uh, they have a White House tour. 
and a capital tour. So that sounds fun. So that's uh, Tuesday, March 29th. Then I wanted to mention also in Washington, D.C., Friday, April 8th, we have a Satellite Sisters meetup Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. That was organized. Way to go, Liz. Yeah. That's, that's this because you go to D.C. all the time. Yes. So it's excellent. I go in and out. I'm usually fully booked, but we have some next-gen Satellite Sisters there in D.C. that really wanted to, you know, take responsibility for getting this organized, so they did. You can see all the information about it in our Facebook group if you join the group. The restaurant is called Slipstream. And there's a Facebook invitation there. And we kind of want people to RSVP just so we can get some sense of what the turnout will be. It won't matter. It's kind of a no-host thing. We're just going to be hanging out and talking from 6 to 8 p.m. on Friday, April 8th uh, in Washington, D.C. at Slipstream. But let us know if you think you're going to make it. You know, come one, come all. We also got a question about whether satellite misters were invited. And the answer is, of course. Yes, please. Uh, bring your satellite sisters, your satellite misters. Um, I'm really looking forward to meeting you. Then on Sunday, April 10th, so I'll do this Friday night in D.C., fly home to L.A. on Saturday. And because so, you're that kind of girl, Liz. That's what you I do, do Jewel. People, I mean, if they're coming to the meetup, they might want to bring their copy of their book, your uh, our book, uh, yes. you're, the be- you're the Best, and I'm sure you can sign that for them, right? I, I, I would be delighted. Okay. Yes, and if you have, you know, bear in mind, we have Mother's Day coming up, Father's Day. You probably have graduates who might like a copy of You Are the Best. If you have any bridesmaids gifts you need to buy this spring, if you're going to any wedding showers, I think You're the Best is appropriate for all of those kinds of events. So um, so, so stop why that. not get a signed copy? So yeah. go to the meetup in D.C., Bring a bunch of books and Liz will sign them. I would be delighted. And then Sunday, April 10th is an actual book fair. So Leon and I will be at the LA Times Festival of Books, you know, which is a giant, giant event on the USC campus. And there are hundreds of booths. We're in booth 103. That's our publisher, Prospect Park Books. It's all, when you get there, there are maps and things. So you'll be able to find us. But Sunday, April 10th at 11 a.m., Leon and I will be at the, uh, uh, at booth 103. And I was looking at the schedule, Julie, because, you know, the LATFOB, as they call it, uh, LATFOB gets like major, major people to come in and speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always fun to go to for that reason. But the tickets for some of the fancy speakers sell out quickly. And I noticed that Sunday, April 10th at 11 a.m., the speaker is Carrie Brownstein, who I love, the star of Portlandia. Yes. Uh, she's a fascinating person and who has written a fascinating memoir. Um, but if you want a VIP ticket to go see Carrie Brownstone, that's 100 bucks. If you want to come over to Booth 103 and just hang with Leon and I, <laughs> it's free. It's completely free. So, uh, you know, that the book seems pretty pricey for, uh, yeah. but I mean, I know it's LA, maybe things cost that much. I mean, LA. that's the VIP section. I think, okay. the, I right. think the cheapest tickets are, I don't know, 40, 45 bucks, something like that. Um, but free over at booth 103 and the books will cost you. Uh, so, uh, but that's only fair, right? Um, <laughs> yes, yes, Liz, that's, that's, that's a good point, Liz. We believe in justice yes. at Satellite Sisters. It's one book at a time, people. Anyway, Sunday, April 10th, 11 a.m. at the L.A. Times Festival of Books. It would be really fun. Just wander by. Somebody had posted a question. Could, could she send her son to get a book signed and get a picture with us? Yes, yes, of course. So uh, we will be there. So a lot going on in, uh, in the Satellite Sisterhood. That sounds good. That's good. But Liz, this week you were not here. You were in Europe, right? I, I was. Uh, the past couple of weeks, part of the reasons why I, you know, we haven't been able to hook up to record a show on the weekends and we've been posting some of the You're the Best interview series is last couple of weeks I've been traveling a lot. So last week I went to Sydney, Australia and back. And this week, I went to London and back. So I, uh, I got to London on Monday afternoon for a meeting um, all day on Tuesday. And uh, Tuesday was the day that those horrific Brussels bombings took place. So, you know, it's such a strange feeling. The group of people I was meeting with, 
um, we they were actually doing meetings like one city a day. So that the day before, that whole group had actually been in Brussels. Oh, so okay. they had all like been in the airport, been in the metro, all of that. So then, you know, Tuesday we're sitting in a big conference room in London, and you know, your phone just starts going off. The alerts, news alerts on your phone. So it was just like. Obviously, I know you and Lee, and it was breaking news when you did the Tuesday right. show, right? I mean, it, it is just so tragic to see just normal peop- people out there trying to live their lives, trying to, you know, be who they are, do what they do, just on a normal day that you leave for work or leave on a business trip or you're just, like, in the metro going to school or something – and your and your life can end. It's just incredibly shocking. And the in the New York Times, the uh, in the paper today, you know, it really it, it takes me right back to nine eleven because if you remember, right after nine eleven, the Times ran that uh, ongoing series called Portraits of Grief, right. where it was just photos of people and then a couple of little paragraphs about who they were as victims were identified and as they could get some of a few little personal details from their families. And they just wanted to make sure that the people who were the victims were remembered and that it wasn't all about the people who perpetrated the attack. Well, there are some small profiles um, this weekend also of, you know, some of the 31 people that were killed in Brussels. And the one that really, I mean, they're all just, it's just so heartbreaking. It's sick. It's sickening. It's sickening. It's just these are... These are, you know, they're such, they're innocent people. You can see that. As soon as you hear their profiles, you right. know, these and were just innocents, just yeah. in the wrong place. You and know? once again, like a wide array of, you know, ages and nationalities and religions and ethnicities, just the randomness of it. But here's one of the ones they wrote about. Um, her name is Lubna Lafkiri. She was a gym instructor at an Islamic school in Brussels. Mm. And so she, her goal, she said, was to teach children respect for others, confidence, perseverance, and forgiveness, all with a love and appreciation for Islam. So, you know, when you see, like, a young woman like that snuffed out, mother of three, uh, an exemplary teacher, the school said when she didn't arrive for class, they, she was so reliable. They really, you know, immediately knew that something was wrong. And she was one of the victims of the attack on the subway. And, um, you know, they have the school's co-founder quoted as saying she was an exceptional woman. She represented the true values of Islam with generosity and caring. She's an energetic woman who smiles all the time. So, you know, it just, it just breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. And today, of course, there's breaking news that from Lahore, Pakistan, you know, mothers and children that were in a park were blown up. You know, over 50 dead, 300 injured, um, by again, by a terrorist group. You know, children in a park playing. Yeah. So it's just... I just really, you know, I, I just can't understand it at all. And I... You know, but I also hope we don't get to the point where this becomes so, so routine that we stop noticing. You right. know, that I agree, Liz. I agree. You know, and it, it does feel like sometimes those attacks in you know Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, we don't notice them quite as much as we notice them in the West. You know, we don't pay the same attention. But if if you are living in any of these communities and this is what you're dealing with day to day, or just the fear how that changes your life, it's just a it's a heartbreaker, but you can't, you know, I thought about it. Like, what, I mean, what, what, I, do, you, what I, do you really do any differently? What do you really do with your life that would be any different? I don't know what, well, what people can do. I know. I sent you a text right away just to make sure you were okay. I was worried about, you know, was this, were there going to be multiple attacks? You were in London and you can't, I, I know it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to know what to do. I mean, there's an article today in the New York times by a journalist that lives in Paris and the title of it is Je suis sick of it, you know, and just trying to, trying to grapple with how these attacks in Paris and Brussels, you name it 
are impacting her day-to-day -day -day life, about living with more security, of really scrutinizing other people, of, you know, unfortunately, if you are, you know, of a male of a certain age and a certain ethnic group that, you know, people don't want, don't even want to be on the metro with you. You know, it's, it's, it's really difficult, you know, so. I know, and I've often felt like when you're, when you're checking in at an airport, I've been keenly aware for a long time that that is where you are the most vulnerable. It's like, once you get through security, you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief, but anyone can walk into an airport. You know, as we could see the other day with right. a trolley full of suitcases, full of explosives. Like, no. how do you really seal that up? Anyway, it's just like really, really tragic. You just, I don't know, you just have to hope that these families that lost, lost their loved ones this week, that they can find some peace. Yeah, yeah. So in the midst of, you know, all of that worldwide terror and just, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's almost incomprehensible. Incompre Here in the U.S., it's sort of, it's politics gone bad, Liz. I mean, while you were out of town, things really got out of hand. Cause I, and I want to talk a little bit about the First Lady's desk. You know, this is something that we've done on Satellite Sisters for a long time. It started when... Arnold Schwarzenegger was running for governor of California, and Maria Shriver, who at the time was a correspondent for NBC News, was, uh, was forced to resign from NBC because they felt that she could not be a journalist and married to a candidate who was running for the governor of California. And you, Julie Dolan, you were outraged. outraged. I was outraged. I had a full head of steam. Uh, that was the first first lady's desk. And I have always said, leave the ladies alone. That, you know, as the spouse of a candidate, you should be allowed to do whatever you want to do, okay? Because it's your life, okay? And I, you know, we, we protect mm -hmm. everyone. So this week, to have the Republican candidates, two leading candidates, like, go at each other in, like, a really ugly Twitter war, I, I just, I just want to say that I know if people thought the First Lady's desk was some kind of silly thing that we did here. I, I feel very vind vindicated, Liz, because I, I really been uh, working on something that obviously needs a lot of attention. If the two leading Republican candidates feel like they have to like trash their wives in a, in a Twitter war, uh, we, we've got problems. Liz. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a party thing. It's just a political climate no, right. thing. Right. It is a political climate thing. It is you know, it is, you know, that you have all these venues to, you know, and there are so many operatives. Obviously, winning the presidency is worth a lot to a lot of people, and the stakes are very high, and people, you know, some people are willing to do anything and say anything to get it. And that that is not necessarily a positive thing. I don't know that it's new, you know, but all I'm saying is we're going to remain vigilant at the first lady's desk. That's I think that, I think the new part of it is that there, there's just so many new ways to communicate. Right. So, you know, the, the, just the concept of a Twitter war of leading candidates tweeting back and forth is, you know, this is not something that would have happened as we knew this week, Twitter celebrated their 10th birthday. So right. this is not something that would have happened. Uh, like a dozen years ago, it couldn't have happened. And now these things just have a life of their own. I mean, the internet is like taken over so much of our public discourse and these sh the short 140 character exchanges don't really lead to thoughtful dialogue in general. 140 no, no, no. characters. No, I, I agree. And then you have, and then you have groups that are interested, you know, they have high stakes. These political action committees, you know, it's other individuals, it's the money behind all this stuff, you know, and then they just, you know, they, they're not accountable for their communication. They just put out trash, they put it out there, and then, you know, and then things happen. So, but it's not going to happen at the First Lady's Day. Okay, right? all right. Okay. That's so all just, <laughs> just re-upping your commitment. I like well, it. I, I, so I just feel like, you know, maybe people thought this was like some, you know, silly little thing we were doing here. But obviously not, Liz. It's yeah. very important. It, it, it sort of, it seems to be central to this year's presidential campaign. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Okay. I, I think the world needs you. But... <laughs> The, uh, but, but in other news, you had a very fun weekend, right? Weren't you in your old hometown of New Orleans the last few days? I was in New Orleans, Liz. I had the great opportunity to go to a 
fantastic wedding in a fantastic city, New Orleans. And I have, I have some advice for, for, I think for all satellite sisters that I want you to look around in your family group, however you define it. I want you to identify a sister, a brother, a cousin, a mother, a father, just anyone, uh, and start planning a wedding in New Orleans because I am now convinced that every family should have at least one New Orleans wedding. Now you can't always go to New Orleans for a wedding. No, but you just but you just got to find someone to you know have some reason to go there. And I have a couple of reasons why. Well, first of all, New Orleans equals fun, Liz. I mean, can we just F U N? Yes, I fun. Mean, I, I mean, I if you know if you get an invitation to go to a wedding in New Orleans. First of all, let me, this bears it out, that, you know, if you are sending out the invitation, you can expect a very high yield. I mean, all of the wedding planners will tell you, like, if, it, if the wedding is in New Orleans, 95% of the people who receive an invitation are going to show up because New Orleans is fun. Yes. I mean, now, if, people, people may not remember that your son's wedding, your son and daughter-in-law got married in New Orleans three years three, ago, right? Three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. But let's say you get invited to a wedding in Ohio. And I'm not picking on Ohio because <laughs> my daughter-in-law... It, well, is from Ohio. I've right. Been, they could have had their wedding there. They could have had their wedding. But, you know, when you get an invitation to a wedding in, in Ohio, you can't be 100% certain that it's going to be fun. You know what I mean, Liz? <laughs> I, again, I am not. I know we're going to hear, hear I, Ohio is fun. Okay. Yeah. But it's not like New Orleans. It's no. not like it's not like 100%. It's not like the bells are on. You know, go, it's go. It's not guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, just and you know, there's all kinds of fun in New Orleans. I mean, we had such a blast this weekend at at the official events, uh, you know, and there were a number of those that were all lovely. But the other thing about New Orleans is you can have your own fun, okay? That you don't you you don't even. I mean, and so if you're planning a wedding. You don't have to, like, think, oh, I better get a croquet set because people are coming and they're going to need something to do. They'll have nothing to do, right. No, no, right. You're in New Orleans. <laughs> there's always, there's so much fun to do. I mean, there's always a festival. This weekend, Easter weekend, they had three parades, Liz. Three parades. Sure, why not? Why I, not? I mean, that's what I mean. It is guaranteed. Okay. <laughs> Number two, New Orleans is open to everyone. So whatever kind of wedding you want to have, okay, whether it's your first wedding, your third wedding, you got to want to get married in a cathedral or you want a voodoo queen to marry you, it, you, it can happen in New Orleans. And I, I think it's that... It's all possible. I think that inclusiveness, that sort of melting pot um, aspect of New Orleans, again, just ups the fun, ups the excitement. Okay, then you have the issue, which, you know, everybody, when you're thinking about a wedding, is like food and drink, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, it's New Orleans, for God's sakes. No shortage of either, and it's top-notch. Liz, they have been making signature cocktails in New Orleans since the 1800s, right? (laughs) 1700s, okay? Yes. I mean, I know some other states have just gotten on it, you know, and a lot of couples now like to have their own signature cocktails. In New Orleans, they've been doing this for centuries, Liz. Okay, centuries, yep. Okay, can we talk about music, Liz? Do we need to even talk about music? Where do you start? Where I don't do you know start? Where start, Liz. Liz, I, I, I think I, last night, okay, uh, we danced at this wedding. My husband has a Fitbit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that he wore to the wedding. Yeah, he leaves his leaves his Fitbit on all the time. Do you know how many? We, how many steps did he take yesterday? We got thirty thousand steps yesterday, Liz. <laughs> that is a lot of dancing. That's a lot, but it's, 30, it's 30, Nola. 30, what are you going to do? You're going to dance. Just you just you just cannot help yourself there. Thirty thousand steps, Liz. Okay, we, nice. We we he must be so happy. We walked the equivalent of 13 miles yesterday. We just were out of our minds. We were having so much fun. And then the other thing about New Orleans is it's very memorable. You know, the whole place is extraordinary. The architecture, the, you know, the, the flora, the fauna. I mean, you, you are just in a place that, that really all of your sense, it attacks all of your senses. It's humid. It's, you know, things are, you're smelling things that you don't smell in other places. It's yeah. the jasmine. It's the wisteria. It's, you know, so it is an extra, it's, it's memorable. You are like never going to forget your time in New Orleans. Yes. And that is something, again, 
when you're trying to like create wedding memories and you know I'm again I don't want to pick on like I know I Cincinnati. It may be a little more difficult. Okay. I know that's considered the Paris of the Midwest, Cincinnati. And uh-huh. I know that's lovely. And then it's so romantic in New Orleans. True. Isn't it? Yes. That, yeah. That's an added point. Oh my gosh. This wedding ceremony was outside under those beautiful giant live oak trees, you know, right at dusk with all the Spanish moss hanging down. You had the noise of a beautiful fountain in the background. I mean, it is, it is a land of carriage rides and courtyards and balconies and gas lanterns and twinkle lights. This is it. I mean, this is really it. So I, I'm, I, I'm, we Julie, have a, you should get yourself a gig at the New Orleans Chamber of Commerce or I, the I, New I, Orleans I, Visitor Center no, Convention I, Bureau. I just want, I just want our satellite sisterhood to go, you know, to do this, to have a wedding in New Orleans, find someone to get married in New Orleans. Cause that it is, it was such a memorable time. Um, and, you know, and I, and I know that that everyone can have that. That's, you know, you know, again, whoever you want, whoever you want to marry, this is, this is the place to do it. So, so we, we had a, we had a great time, Liz, a great time. That is great. Well, it's funny that you mentioned your husband's Fitbit because I have three stories about fitness that I wanted to move to next, Julie. Um, I've been really thinking a lot about this lately. My own personal fitness level is at an all-time low. And uh, the number of hours I'm sitting strapped into an airplane seat is, like, at an all-time high. So I've just got to get a grip. So I'm looking for any information, any inspiration of something new I could try that would sort of get me out of my rut. So here's one I saw. This was in uh, Wednesday's Wall Street Journal. The headline, this really got me, Julia. The headline is, the gym class where you do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because Liz, I was just about to congratulate you, like, good for you, Liz. You know, you're just, you're working a problem. You've got a sort of a lifestyle issue, but you're addressing it. Yes. But I'm not sure if you're attracted to a headline that says the gym class where you do nothing. I'm not sure you're addressing your fitness needs. Okay. Well, I'm really not going to do this one because I have two here that I'm not going to do. And then I'm going to tell you what I did do. So this one, the gym class where you do nothing, this is a class called Anti-gravity cocooning. Have you seen any photos of this, Julie? This uh, yes. This started at Crunch in New York City. And basically, you swaddle yourself in a hammock, like a sling-style hammock, that is suspended from the ceiling. Uh-huh. And they take you through 20 minutes of stretches and brief abdominal exercises, followed by 15 minutes of guided relaxation. So oh, wait, wait a minute. You're in this. You're, you're in the hammock. Sweat. You're hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you have to do exercises in a ham, hammock. Yeah, but the way they say just stretches and brief abdominal exercises, I really think you're mainly cocooning. You know, so it says participants stretch out in the hammocks, their arms crossed like crossed like mummies. Soft music and dim lights are in the room. They enhance the effect. And they say, yes, it's true that sometimes people do fall asleep. And <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that because this is really for just stressed out people who just want to try something. So why don't you stay in bed? I mean, wouldn't that be easier than hanging in a hammock? This is just a touch of meditation, Julie. It's a little, you know, anytime they can put, like, mindfulness in the pitch for the class or meditation. I think I think a lot of places are trying to figure out how to satisfy people's need, not just for exercise, but for relaxation and mindfulness. Okay. So here's another one in the same story. This is at a place called Strength Farm in Portland, Oregon, of course. Um, so they have a twice-monthly 90-minute mindfulness session uh, that is led by Richard Gerling, who is a Hillsborough, Oregon police lieutenant. and oh. But he has been trained in mindful awareness. So... Um, 
what I liked about this is that he's really, he is, quote, teaching awareness and self-compassion as two basic tools to help people perform better in their quest for physical fitness because in normal exercise, he points out, there are thoughts that can surface when people are exercising that can, that can hurt your progress. And he said those thoughts are like that you are fat or weak. And <laughs> yes, that, uh, that, yes, it's all the time that happens. So those thoughts have been known to surface. <laughs> so, so officer Gerling is trying to prevent the thoughts that you are fat or weak from surfacing, uh, during whatever your fit, physical fitness, uh, regimen is. So I liked that idea that, you know, I, I do too, Liz. I think that sounds good. I, it sounds it sounds like, you know, some positive, calm voice talking to you while mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. while you're taking your fat, weak body through some exercises. Yeah. Yes. Self-compassion. That's what okay. he calls okay. it. So that, that seems like a good idea. So, okay. So there's the meditation, mindfulness. That was, you know, movement number one. Um, I think some of this, I will not be hanging from the ceiling in a sling. Uh, movement number two, this I love because this could not be more Santa Monica, California, where I live. So this just happened this weekend. Julie, it was the first 420 games in Santa Monica. I don't know what that is, Liz. Do you know what 420 is code for? No. No. Marijuana, Julie. It's just, you know, <laughs> if you were cool, you would know that 420... <laughs> I think I've I think I've established for many years that I am not cool. Okay, okay, 420. All right. So for the 420 games... Uh, were held this weekend in Santa Monica. Oh, brother. Of course they were. Yes. But here's the deal. It is part of an effort by the founder. His name is Jim McAlpin, and he is a former executive with a ski lift company and a medical marijuana user. And this is part of his effort to, quote, wipe away the stereotype of the lazy stoner. (laughs) Because he believes... Because he smokes marijuana every day, and yeah. but he still he says I use marijuana every day, multiple times a day, uh, and I use it on a level where people have called me a stoner my whole life. But I'm the farthest, farthest thing from a stoner. I own my own company. I'm married. I'm a good athlete. I do very well for myself. So he wants to have these 420 games in more cities. He's targeting, not surprisingly, Denver, Seattle, and Portland. Because uh, I think that's, that's the, ideal, ideal. He's, but these are all states where recreational marijuana use is now legal. So correct. he doesn't want to try to do that. It's actually not legal yet in California. So uh, the uh, so the the event held this weekend. Of course, you know all these races, as you know from any walk or run you've ever gone to. There's always like a expo of businesses who are supporting it. So all of that was going on too. There were, you know, marijuana delivery companies, food trucks, musicians, uh, doctors all around the Santa Monica Pier. And you know what a nice positive environment that is. So, so anyway, this is something I will not be participating in. Oh, I, I was just gonna wanted say, to, I, I, no, I just wanted to say, I know for sure that this is not the solution to my problem. What are uh, the events at the 420 games? This was, this was a race, I think. It was just a, I think it was like a 5K run. And, oh, yeah, 4.2-mile fun run, which included runners as well as cyclists and skaters. So, you know, it was on that bike path from Santa Monica to Venice. Okay. So you can imagine. It must have been insane. <laughs> just a, yes. That seems so dangerous. <laughs> to be on that it does. It does. With all those people. Clear out when the 420 games coming soon to a town near you. I would uh, I would just wear a helmet even if you're walking around town. Yeah. So okay, so those are the two things. There's the cocooning, and then there's the 420 games. But what I did actually do this weekend, Julie, is uh-huh. not once but twice went to a deep water aerobics workout. All right, Liz. Which I enjoy. You know, I had done that before with Leon and with Sheila out at the Rose Bowl pool where they work out in Pasadena. But mm-hmm. as we've established, that's like an hour for me. So, it might as well be another state. Yes. You know, I mean, that the traffic, that, it could be an hour or it could be like three hours to yeah. get Correct. Yes. Okay. So, so the, deep water aerobics. You yeah. know, our mother was a big water aerobics person, Liz. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was really important to her and her fitness routine. 
So good for you, Liz. So it what was great. It was really great. So the, the pool where I normally swim laps was closed. So I went to the Santa Monica Swim Center, the big aquatic center where Sheila used to swim when she was on the master's team here in Santa Monica before she moved to Pasadena. So if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know Sheila used to talk about her swim coach and everything that went on there. So, But I had never been there. Because I'm, you know, I'm just... It's a little intimidating because most of the people that swim there have Olympic medals, right? Or hold some kind of national uh, uh, title. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But not at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Okay, that's good. The deep water workout area. So it was really great. I really loved it. The instructor was this really fun, nice guy named Isaac. And, you know, the, the, my only beef with the whole thing was the soundtrack, uh, which is always a problem at these exercise classes, I think. Why? Uh, what, what, what was Well, that? it was sort of the Daily hit. Low or what yeah, was? it was the hits of the 70s and 80s. And so we're talking like REO Speedwagon, uh, Foreigner, <laughs> like John Cougar, not even John Cougar Mellencamp or John Mellencamp. We're like, we're back at John Cougar, you know, and it was when I heard like my third Jim Croce number, I'm like, oh, come on people. But then I looked around at the target audience. I looked at the people in the pool with me and they were all either my age or older. So I think that the people that organized this class must have like looked at like the bobbing gray heads in the pool (laughs) and asked themselves, well, when was the last time these people actually bought any new music? It was probably like, I don't know, 78, 81. (laughs) So I think they keep the soundtrack like targeted at the, uh, the audience for the people in the pool. Okay. So, because I know Isaac, you know, millennial Isaac is not picking out Jim Croce on his own. I'm just, (laughs) you're just guessing that. So, well, it seems like you and Isaac have really struck up quite a, a relationship, and I, I believe that you, in your persuasive manner, would be able to, like, you know, guide him mm-hmm. to uh, to select some more current tunes. Uh, oh, but no, I think here's the, the other go- ladies will will go, will go along with it, Liz. You I know? think they would I, too. I think they would too. Most of them are chatting so much that I'm sure they're not aware of the music at all. You know, they're just talking to each other. The way mom always would when she was in the she pool. She loved it. She, mom, that was like she She had did not so, shut up. She, my, <laughs> no, she didn't. I don't know if anyone was listening to what mom had to say sometimes, but that was really her outlet. She just yep. wanted to get out of the house and mm-hmm. just talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the thing, Julie. I was perusing the schedule and I saw that in addition to deep water workouts, which they have Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings and then nights during the week. Saturday morning, they also have something called Aqua Zumba. Oh, I'm in, Liz. (laughs) So I'm hoping that it's basically the same workout but with better music. Don't you think? Yeah. What do you think Aqua Zumba would be? It would be Latin music. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what you should go, Liz. Yeah. That would be super fun. Yeah. So so next Saturday I'm 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 going to that. So okay. I'll try to have a report for that next weekend. I'm feeling like that could solve my soundtrack problem. Um but anyway, it was, a, it was a breakthrough for me personally to find something that I like to do right in the neighborhood, super fun and relaxing. That's um, the whole point of X. I mean, if you don't like it or you're, you're not, you're not going to stick with it. Yes. So I'm very happy that you're not going to be participating in the 420s game, <laughs> the, the cocooning, really. Cocooning sounds like you could just fall out of the cocoon and break something. <laughs> that's, what, that's what would happen. Getting into the cocoon and getting out of the cocoon right. feels dangerous to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There'd be a cocoon accident, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, in the, uh, in the report on having fun, I had fun uh, yesterday. I went to the movies with our friend Corny Cole. You know Corny, who was the longtime the executive producer of Satellite Sisters. Um, so Corny and I went to the movies to see Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, Julie. Oh, how is it? Okay, here's the thing. It is, it is my personal policy to support anything that Tina Fey does. Just because yeah. I feel like, you know, Satellite Sisters should support other Satellite Sisters, even when it's something like slightly out of their normal lane, you can, you can give it a go. Uh, and it's also my policy to support grown-up movies 
for grown-ups about grown-up things because they don't make that many of them anymore, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, the reason... Bat, you mean the Batman versus Superman movie? Yes. Right, right. Yes. Exactly, Liz. You know, we're just going to keep getting more superhero movies unless some of us go to the movies that do not have superheroes in them or no car crashes of any kind. Uh, so Whiskey Tango Foxtrot is actually an adaptation of a book called The Taliban Shuffle, written by a woman named Kim Barker, who was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune covering Afghanistan uh, in, the, uh, in the early 2000s. And the book actually came out in 2011, and uh, Tina Fey's production company picked it up to develop it. So Tina it plays Kim Barker. It's now called Kim Baker for some reason. That seems kind of like not worth bothering to change, but whatever. And to make the movie more visually interesting, instead of being a print reporter, she's a television reporter. But so it's an adaptation of this book. And uh, but the cast is great. Also in it, Alfred Molina's in it. Martin Freeman's in it. Margot Robbie's in it. Uh, so here's what I would say. It is a grown-up movie about grown-up things. By the way, R-rated. So if you have a problem with uh, bad language, drugs, and sex, this is not a good movie for you. Uh, because it's really about, it's about two things. It's about the contrast between covering the war, which obviously would be incredibly difficult and emotionally demanding, and the sort of the party life that the expat journalist there lived as sort of a release valve from as how out, hard, yeah. yes, as an outlet. So it's sort of the compare and contrast between those two parts of their days. But it's also about what do you really want to do with your life? Like what what is the most valuable use you can make of your life? And she kind of has this crisis. She's just sitting at a desk in Chicago, like banging out copy. In the movie, she's in New York. Just banging out copy for some, you know, um, I think she calls him dumb but, mute, but beautiful uh, um, host. And they, they're looking for people to volunteer to go cover Afghanistan because this is a few years in, and now the attention has sort of moved to Iraq, and they need people to agree to go to Afghanistan. And so she just, like, has a moment where she thinks, if I don't do something radically different with my life right now, I just... I'm going to be on this long road of nothing. But it's it's played slightly for comedy in the movie because I would love to actually read the book now that I've seen the movie because in the movie they call a bunch of people into a conference room and they say, okay, you are all the people here who are over 40, unmarried, and childless. So we're looking for volunteers to go to Afghanistan. <laughs> so th that to me was funny. Courtney and I laughed out loud at that one being, you know, over 40, unmarried, and childless ourselves. Um, but it's, it's, it's sort of her thought process about what does she want to do with her life. So she makes this big, big radical change. Then she gets caught up in the adrenaline of being a war correspondent and then has to make another big decision, you know, face up to, like, do you really want to give yourself over to this? So I won't go into too much detail. Anyway, here's what I would say about this movie. There were very poignant dramatic moments. There were some laugh out loud moments. Everyone in it is really good. I would say it's a really good movie. It's not a great movie. It's not a, oh my God, you have to grab your satellite sisters and go see it. But if you are looking for a fun movie to see with your satellite sisters and fun and kind of thoughtful and interesting, it's a little offbeat for Tina Fey because it's more of a dramatic role than a comedic role. But it has its comedic moments. So I think you might like it, Julie, because I think there are also insights into expat life, which you've been. And you don't have to be a war correspondent to know that feeling of being adrift in another culture, right? Uh-huh. Yes, exactly, Liz. No, I like your description of this, Liz. And from what you've said, it certainly seems worthy of seeing. I'm not going to see the Batman Superman movie, yeah. so I have some time that yeah. I could devote to this movie. Okay, Liz. You got I, I would be curious what you, what you think. I, okay. You know, as I say, I would give it, uh, I'd probably give it a solid B, maybe a B plus. Okay. Uh, my, my one comment coming out of it is Corny and I were walking to the car. I said, I, 
she she seemed to be wearing a little bit too much makeup for me, for someone who is a war correspondent in Afghanistan. The, too much eyeliner. Uh, Courtney agreed with that. And she said she felt like, in general, emotionally, it didn't go deep enough. Like it could have, they could have pushed it further. And I would agree with that. That's why uh, I think the book might be very interesting to read. Anyway, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, that is my... Um, that's my, my little review of that. Good review, Liz Dolan. Very good review. <laughs> okay, now two short things about things with funny names. Um, you know, I'm sure you're like me, Julia, where like during the week when you're thinking about what we're going to talk about on the weekend, uh, you're sort of collecting things in your head. You see things in the news. You th- see things in your Facebook feed. You talk to your friends about stuff. And you and Leon do the Tuesday show, so you probably start that process immediately on Wednesday, thinking about, okay, what are we going to talk about on Sunday? I say it's constant, Liz, 24-7. I'm scanning the horizons, (laughs) looking for topics to talk about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes something starts to be interesting, but then it gets so over-reported that, like, you might think on Wednesday, like, oh, that would be fun to talk about on Sunday. But by Friday, you've seen it everywhere, and you feel like there's just nothing left to say about it, right? (laughs) Yes, I know, uh, which is too bad because – uh, because we only do this, if we did this right. every single day, then we would have the opportunity, because we like to be, give you fresh stuff. Coming fresh, out. right. Fresh. fresh things. And when we had a daily radio show, I mean, we were on the air six days a week, three hours a day live. So really, anything that popped into our heads, we talked about <laughs> on the show. So so there was one of these news stories that sort of came up in the middle of the week that I thought, okay, that's funny. And then by the end of the week, I felt like everyone had beaten it to death, and I shouldn't talk about it. But then as I was doing my notes this morning, I'm like, I am sorry. The story about Bodie McBoatface <laughs> is just still so funny to me. Well, but, explain, explain in, ca- in case people have been in a news blackout. Okay. Like, this is in the U.K., The Natural Environment Research Council is building a new research vessel that is going to go to Antarctica and do research. You know, serious work about global warming, climate change, all of that. And they decided it would be fun to have a Name Our Ship contest on the Internet. So they opened it up, like, here's the ship, like, what do you think, you know, suggest names, vote for other people's names. And, um, you know, so a lot of traditionally boats get named after, like, admirals who did this or, you know, famous, you know, military people that did something else. But somebody in the U.K. put in the suggestion that the name of the boat should be Boney McBoatface. I can't even say it. I think it's so funny. I know. It is It is just a super funny name. <laughs> just, so Bodie McBoatface. So some guy in the UK types in Bodie McBoatface. And next thing you know, as of the latest tally, uh, Bodie McBoatface had 27,000 votes, which put it 25,000 votes ahead of the next closest competitor, which was the Henry Worsley, which okay. that's not going to catch fire. I'm sorry. Uh-uh. No, that is not going to be an internet sen- sensation. Yeah. He was an army officer who died in an- Antarctica. So good idea, but not when you're up against Bodie McBoatface. It's like running against Donald Trump. Come on, man. You're going to step it up. Bodie McBoatface. How could... Uh, anyway, so I know. It's made me laugh all week long, Liz. <laughs> Sometimes I would just say that to myself, you yes. know? Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about it. Okay. I have, I have nothing to add to this story, which is why I give it, gave it the long preamble about how sometimes you just can't think of anything to add. So I just wanted to be able to say Bodie McBoatface. And there you have it. Mission accomplished. Just say it once, Julie. Say it once. Bodie McBoatface. See? Huh? It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, and then one last thing on funny names. This is so later today. Um, I'm actually going to the theater tonight with our sister, Sheila. Oh, good. Uh, Please say hi to Sheila for me. I will do that. And, uh, we are going to see a play, uh, which also caught my eye because of its title. It is Women Laughing Alone with Salad (laughs) is the name of this play. (laughs) And the playwright is also named Sheila. The playwright is named Sheila Callahan. And Sheila Callahan was inspired by... 
how many ads she saw that was just like women sitting alone, eating salad, just enjoying themselves so much, <laughs> eating a salad alone, <laughs> that it had become like this advertising trope, women laughing alone with salad. And so I have no, I don't know anything else about this play, except they said that, you know, kind of strap yourselves in and nobody under 16 is allowed in the theater. So I think Sheila decided to just really spoof the whole idea of, Sheila Callahan, that is, of women laughing alone with salad. So uh, I decided to check it out. It's at the, it's at the uh, Kirk Douglas Theater in Culver City, which is more of an experimental theater. Lots of times they do smaller plays or first plays or new playwrights or, you know, unlike the Taper or the, um, the Amundsen, which are more established playwrights and more established plays. So anyway, women laughing alone with salad. Not as funny as Bodie McBoseface. <laughs> no, it isn't, Liz. But, 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 well, it's clear that your assignments for next week, we want a full report on this play, okay, <laughs> and also on Aqua Zumba. Aqua Zumba. So you have your assignments for the week, Liz. Yeah, very, very full week. Um, what else? Anything? Uh, what are you doing this week? Uh, Liz, I, I, I'm recovering. I'm still recovering. I, I have to write so many thank you notes for this wonderful uh, wedding extravaganza I went to. I think that will be my main activity. I'll be watching Madam Secretary, even though Leon won't be there. There will not be a new show this week on Tuesday because Leon will be in Washington meeting with the real Secretary of State uh, and perhaps Taya Leone. I'm not sure. Uh, and then we'll be back the following week. I think, you know... Life imitating art, in this case, is hilarious that Leon will be at the State Department all day. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> like meeting the Secretary of State and the Vice President and, you know, a women of courage from all over the world. That's, I, whenever she gets back, I'm sure she will have a fascinating report. Right. We're going to do a, uh, we'll do a big segment on that, no doubt. So if you want, you can follow that. If you follow us on Twitter, or if you don't, we're at Sat Sisters. Uh, if you do, you'll get a lot of tweets on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, about all of the activities going on with the Women of Courage. So there you have it. Okay. Um, we're good? We're done? We're good, Liz. Have a good week. Thank you. You too. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters. Thank you.